Everyone, last weekend at our weekend masses here at St. Mary's, I mentioned that we're spending these next weeks reading the entirety of the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John, and that John 6 is in many ways the primary scriptural evidence we have on the Catholic Church teaching that Jesus is truly, really, and substantially present in the Most Holy Eucharist, a vitally important passage for us to have correctly. So what I want to do here this evening is kind of walk through the first half of the gospel tonight and offer a kind of commentary on this first part of John 6 that you just heard proclaimed here this evening. This is going to be as much fun as you've had in a long, long time. So here we go. When the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into boats and came to Capernaum looking for Jesus. I think in order for any of this to make some sense, a bit of geographical context is needed on Israel. So first, Galilee, northern part of Israel, Jesus' home district, Nazareth is in Galilee. The primary most famous body of water to this very day in Galilee is, of course, the Sea of Galilee, which is actually not even truly a sea. It is a freshwater body of water fed by the Jordan River. It is not salt water, yet they call it a sea. Just bear with them. The Sea of Galilee, fresh water in Galilee, northern Israel, Jesus' home district. The size of the Sea of Galilee, eight miles wide, 13 miles long, a pretty big body of water for being a lake. 13 miles long, here to Monokan type of thing, all right? 13 miles by 8 miles. Capernaum, the city mentioned throughout the Gospels, is the home base of Jesus and the apostles throughout his public ministry, right? Capernaum, northwest part of the Sea of Galilee. Okay, I mention all that because last week's Gospel of Jesus performing this miracle of the multiplication of loaves took place across from Capernaum on the other side of Capernaum, away from his home base. And we, of course, know that Jesus fed 5,000 plus with five barley loaves and two fish. Okay, why is all that needed to make our way through this evening's scripture passage? Here's why. The next morning comes after this miracle, and Jesus and his disciples are gone. They're not there anymore. At some point during the night, they left. They left. And they wake up the next morning, these disciples that saw this miracle happen, and they're thinking, where is he? Where are they? We kind of like this guy. We like having him around. He does really neat things. So what do they do? They themselves get into boats where this miracle had taken place, they go the 13 miles across the Sea of Galilee, and they go to, yes, Capernaum. And when they found him across the sea, we're told, so now they go back, they find this guy they like, that performed this miracle, and they say, Rabbi, when did you get here? Notice, everyone, the title they use for Jesus. Rabbi. The official title used for a Jewish teacher of the law. They recognize in him something that he's not just a meandering hippie. 
They recognize in him some authority. They call him rabbi. And then Jesus says to them this. You're not looking for me because you saw signs. Meaning, you're not looking for me because of this impressive miracle I performed feeding 5,000. The reason you're looking for me is because you ate the loaves and were filled. Jesus is pointing out to them that the bread that he provides, the bread that God provides, has satisfied their hearts in a way that has forced them to seek out this man. They have tasted something in Jesus. They have tasted something in this bread from heaven that has satisfied the longings of their hearts in a whole new way. And Jesus points that out to them. And how do they then respond to Jesus? It's kind of a noble question. They say, so what can we do? What can we do to accomplish the works of God? Like I said, a noble question. What can you and I be doing to do the will of God? Every family, every parent, every priest, every parish should be asking that question. What does the will of God look like in my life? They asked that to Jesus and listen to what he said. This is the work of God. That you believe in the one he sent. Jesus says that the will of God can be found in one word. Belief. Faith. Faith in who? In Jesus. Not this blind, shallow faith. True confidence in him. True submission to his will. True abandonment to the will of God and the confidence we need in Jesus. That's what he says is the work of God that you and I, in all human history, come to belief in Jesus. And then, lastly, how do they respond to that? And I can't believe Jesus did not lose his mind because I would have. He said this. They said this. So what sign can you do that we can see and believe in you? Excuse me, I would have said if I was Jesus. What sign and miracle can I do? You came to see me because I just fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish and you're saying what sign can I do? Boy, does that sound familiar. Because I think for many of us, Jesus provided many, many signs of how he works, of how he operates. So what do we make of all this? What Jesus is doing is proposing himself as the bread of life that satisfies the human heart. Himself. He is now setting the stage in the weeks to come, in the rest of John 6, for the most controversial sermon he will ever give, namely that his flesh is true food and his blood is true drink. And for 2,000 years, it has been dividing Christians. And we're going back to what did Jesus say? And how did the apostles hear and understand what he said and taught where? In Capernaum. Now, you and I all know, and we have enough evidence in our world, that this world does not 
fulfill. Is it good? Yes. Does it satisfy? No. No matter the job, no matter the house, no matter the money, we all know that it does not fulfill because our hearts were made for more. Our hearts were made for God. And God himself has humbled himself to become man, and that man has humbled himself to become food. True food, true drink. Will we be satisfied by him?